This episode was recorded before the current COVID-19 crisis, but a lot of the advice can also be applied to what us as spouses may be going through and feeling at the moment. Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. Welcome to the Military Wife Life podcast. This episode is all about us, the spouses, the partners, the wives, girlfriends, whatever our title, let's focus on our emotions and anxieties and how we can better cope with all that military life throws at us. I have at times felt as though I was just surviving military spouse life. And you know what? That's not good enough. Instead of surviving, I, like a lot of you, I am sure, want to thrive. We owe it to the military member, our families, and most importantly, ourselves. This week's guest is here to talk us through some of the intricacies of military spouse life. Dr. Jodie Lowinger is the CEO and founder of the Sydney Anxiety Clinic and is a clinical psychologist and has a long and accomplished list of achievements within her field. So I'm so happy and excited to have her on the podcast. Welcome Jodie to the podcast. Thank you, Beck. It's such a pleasure to be here and speak with all of you. So I guess what in general would be the best way someone can approach entering the role of a military spouse? Is it mindset? Is it not comparing to civilian life? How can we go into it in order to have the best experience possible in those initial years when everything is new and different and I guess not our norm as yet? Yeah, it's a really great question because change is hard. (laughs) Change is hard for all of us. And the reason change is hard is because as human beings, we don't like uncertainty. Uncertainty takes us right out of our comfort zone because we can't predict our environment, we can't predict uh, the future. And so it makes us feel quite destabilized. So in these situations, when individuals are moving from being in civilian life to being a military spouse, it is about self-compassion and kindness really because typically we can be our own worst enemies you know when we're not coping all of a sudden the critical voice kicks in that says why aren't you coping you should be coping better you should be doing better and all of the should be's and uh, not good enoughs kind of kick into our headspace particularly if we want to be doing the best that we can do. So I typically, when I'm working with people, really help individuals to recognize an alternative pathway. And that's when times are tough to actually be kind to yourself and to see if you can build in a pause and say, how can I respond to this situation with more self-compassion and kindness and recognize that this is hard and that's actually really normal. And I guess also realizing that you're not supposed to know how to cope with certain situations or military spouse life because it's not like you are one day 
a person and then the next day you're a military spouse. It's a transition and you sort of grow into that. Absolutely right. It's a transition. And that's where that being kind to yourself is super important because what's the point being anything other than that? You know, it's hard enough. So layering that challenging environment with actually putting more pressure on yourself is not helpful. It serves no purpose. And that's not to say to just be lackadaisical and kind of just say it is what it is and be all just kind of not even trying. That is about can you say to yourself, worry serves no purpose. How can I tip that worry headspace into a practical problem-solving headspace? How can I recognize that, yes, this is a challenging situation? How can I respond to that situation with practical and effective strategies? Things such as allowing yourself time to adjust, allowing yourself opportunities to connect with other people, and bringing it back to the certainty within the uncertainty. So not thinking about what you don't have and what you don't know, but really bringing it back to what you do have and what you do know and moving forward from a foundation of aligning with your values and what's important to you. That's so true. Can we also, I guess, talk about entering the role of a military spouse when you had been with your partner when they weren't in the military? So all of a sudden you go from being a couple that weren't a military couple to being a military couple. So same people, but different lifestyle. How do you come to terms with what life was like before to what life is like now as a military couple? And how do you stay on the same page? So the way I conceptualize that is really what we want to do is bring it very much back to values because values are something that stay with us. These are heart-driven actions. Values stay with us wherever we go, whatever the circumstances. So typically as practical people, we get very hooked into the what and the how, you know, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And sometimes when you're thrown into this world of newness, the what and the how can start to, <laughs> to come unstuck and can start to unravel because we think, what am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing. How am I going to do it? I have no idea how I'm going to do it. This is really, really hard. And in a way, as a couple, you're going through this challenge together. If you can be mutually supportive in that and be really empathic to what you're both going through, but bring it back to your values, so heart-driven action that says, yep, this might be tough, but let's bring it back to the fact that what is in our heart remains the same. We value giving our best effort. We value love. We value family. We value community or whatever those values might be. They might be something completely different from that, and that's absolutely fine. But typically, that can give us strength in any adversity, in any challenge. So the work that I do, so my other business alongside Sydney Anxiety Clinic is called Mind Strength. And in Mind Strength, I'm a high performance coach to leaders and I work with organizations, with communities and with schools. And the essence of the framework that I've built in the work that I do with Mind Strength is it's a four-step process. And in that four-step process, the mind strength framework or mind strength method is really awareness of our fear, 
driven thoughts and actions. So that's the fight or flight kind of actions that take us down an unhelpful pathway. It's awareness of our values, which provides an alternative pathway. It's using mind strength strategies to build resilience through this challenging time, such as noticing when you're worrying and tipping it back to problem solving. And it's moving forward aligned to your values. And we recognize that the situation is not always in our control, but no matter what the situation, we can always create space to choose how we respond to that situation and realign to resilient choices in those situations. So I guess it's about getting the foundations and working out as a couple what your values are to be able to move forward together on the same page, I suppose. Yeah, that is very much the the essence of it. And as far as practical strategies, to try and focus on effort, not outcome, to build a sense of community, as in a new community, to try and instead of, you know, getting hooked into finger pointing and blame, to just build personal accountability for action, to build deep empathy for what the other person is going through. And typically where couples get this right is if both members of the relationship are doing this (laughs) because if one person's doing it and the other person isn't then that can be really hard ideally we want both people to be both members of the couple to be on the same page and to be engaging in empathy to the best of our ability this is what we want to do no matter where we are in what circumstance in life put like that it sounds so simple (laughs) i wish it was and you know the essence is the reality is none of this is simple right This is best practice and this is dealing with mindset and human behavior and what happens, the reason why this is so the opposite of simple is because our brain is wired to be hijacked by the part of our brain, the amygdala, which takes us into fight or flight. It's a primitive survival mechanism that in times of perceived threat in our environment, which might be as simple as you know, this is new, this is different. So perceived threat being a worry thought, our brain is wired to be hijacked by the part of our brain that takes us into all sorts of fight or flight kind of behaviors. And fight being, I'm going to lash out, I'm going to be agitated, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have a short fuse to attack. And flight is, I'm going to shut down, or I'm just going to avoid, or I'm going to worry a lot, you know, this is our attempts to to run away from the situation. Or fight or flight is, I just have to have certainty, I have to know, I have to know, I have to know. That's also fight or flight. So things like checking and rechecking our situation or worry they're all attempts to grapple with uncertainty in attempts to get certainty when there just simply is no certainty all of these sorts of things are going to take us spiraling down a pathway of uh, making things worse rather than making things better so really the first step is awareness because we can only change what we're aware of in the first place and awareness that yeah this is hard this is about rising above our neurological defaults <laughs> and, uh, and, and changing that. But the beauty is that our brain is rewirable. We have this thing called neuroplasticity. And this is why stress is something that we can bring into our control. Yeah, for sure. So can we talk a little bit more about the fight or flight state? Because I know that 
with the fact that we do have, there is a lot of lack of control in our lives as military spouses and also a lot of anxiety that comes with being a solo parent when your partner is deployed or you're separated from them or whatever the case. What does it sort of do to your, I guess, mental health and physical health when you remain in that fight or flight state? and can't kind of step back and acknowledge it and be able to get yourself out of it when you're in the thick of military life and you're just trying to deal with day-to-day life and juggling everything. What does it actually do to you when you remain in that state for an extended period of time? Uh, That state can be absolutely exhausting, Um, exhausting, really tough, because what it is is adrenaline and cortisol surging through our bloodstream so we can get fatigued by that at a physiological level. So this is tricky. Protracted fight or flight can certainly lead to burnout. This is actually what burnout is. So burnout is generally and you know there's many variants of this but at a very simplified level burnout is when we are in a situation where we perceive that no matter how hard we try there's no way out and there's no solution and this can typically tip us from this state of day-to-day fight or flight to an overwhelm of fight or flight where we kind of start to feel like we're not quite ourselves. And there's a fine line between burnout and burnout has actually been acknowledged by the World Health Organization predominantly as a condition that is specific to a workplace. And of course, the military environment is a workplace. It's no different uh, for the individuals who are in active service. But given that, you know, you work as a team and the family is, you know, enmeshed in this situation, the situation would apply to everybody within that context, within that community. And so there can be a fine line between burnout and clinical depression. So clinical depression is something that affects individuals that can present itself in quite a physiological way that people don't quite feel themselves. Typically, there's quite a high comorbidity between anxiety, clinical anxiety and depression. One can lead to the other or vice versa, where a prolonged state of anxiety can tip a person into a state of depression and a person who's in a state of depression can feel anxious because they're not quite able to get on top of their their life and their experiences. Hey Military Wife Life community, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. And some of the hallmark features of depression go certainly beyond what we might think of as a low mood state. Of course, the hallmark feature of depression is a low mood state, so low that there can be uh, suicidal thoughts and a sense of real darkness 
in terms of hopelessness and exhaustion, difficulty concentrating, poor memory, a sense of withdrawal. So quite pervasive stuff. Sometimes there can be appetite loss and, as I mentioned, low energy, so not, not engaging in activities that would otherwise give a person a sense of joy. So this is something called anhedonia, which you don't actually experience joy from life experiences that you would have otherwise typically found joyful. So this is clinical depression, and it moves beyond just feeling down. It's sort of something that can really get a grip on us at a biological level. Really important to notice these symptoms. And I am going to use the word symptoms because clinical anxiety is a clinical medical condition as opposed to day-to-day low moods or day-to-day feeling anxious. You know, when things tip into a clinical level, help is required because as we know, the suicide rate within society is horrific and I'm on a personal mission to help to, to make a difference, to help people to destigmatize around some of these uh, mental health challenges and to really help people recognize that if they do experience these things, it doesn't mean that they're flawed, it doesn't mean that they're weak, it just is something that can take hold for anybody and this is really a time to put up your hand and say you know what I really need some help right now and the good news is that these conditions are really helpable there's some great evidence-based practical strategies that really make a difference so to feel comfortable to put up your hand to seek out the help that you need and to not suffer in silence and I guess like we spoke about before, a mindset to go into things, I guess, as a military spouse is that by investing time in the foundations, like we mentioned, the values, being on the same page as your partner and going into it as a team and checking back in with each other that you're still on the same page and coming up with strategies in ways to cope and move forward can provide that base and foundation to be able to tackle the certain aspects that come up within military life that may push you into the realms of being down and then without that basis, maybe into the category of depression if you hadn't sort of focused on those things previously. Absolutely. I I really love that you brought it back to that. That's spot on. Prevention is so much better than cure. Of course it is. And prevention is doable. Preventative strategies work. And this is where I start with everybody who I work with, whether it's in a clinical context or in a corporate context or in a high performance context. I call these the foundation stones to well-being and to peak performance. And the mind-body stuff is really powerful here. So we're talking about exercise and movement. We're talking about making sure that you eat well, making sure that you stay hydrated with water, making sure that you engage in value-driven actions, that you build a sense of community so you don't feel isolated and check in with things that are important to you from a values-driven perspective. Uh, Of course, sleep is critical to bolstering our mental health and well-being. And to be imperfect in this is okay, because commonly what can kick in is uh, perfectionism. And perfectionism is not helpful, because perfectionism can lead to all-or-nothing thinking that says, if I don't do exercise 
perfectly, well, then I'm not good enough. So what typically happens is then we don't do it at all. <laughs> and, uh, and so this all or nothing kind of approach to this sort of stuff typically is not helpful. We want to focus on effort, giving it our best effort, because sometimes when we are as spouses and if your partners are in active service and you're having to go it alone, then that can be really hard. And so we definitely want to just focus on being proud of yourselves for giving it your best effort and bringing it back to self-care and self-kindness and chipping away at it and recognizing that two minutes is better than no minutes. And I guess when it comes down to it, really looking at and having the mindset of investing in yourself as a preventative, as opposed to feeling like you're taking away time from juggling all the things that you're juggling, family life, kids, house, whatever it is, while your partner's away or deployed or whatever the case may be with the military member, that that time in investing in yourself is actually key to be able to doing everything else. Totally. It's the opposite of self-indulgent. It is the oxygen mask analogy, you know, fitting your own oxygen mask before you fit your children's is the essence of what we're talking about here. In order to be able to be the best that you can be, you have to look after yourselves. And so stand up to the guilt, stand up to those emotions that really don't serve much practical purpose aside from making individuals feel awful and look after yourselves in order to be able to have the energy to do the tough stuff sometimes. And how can we help our military partners to understand the anxiety that comes with being a spouse? Both people are going to have different experiences and while we'll never understand what they go through, they'll also, on the flip side, never understand what we go through. So how can we better explain the anxiety that comes with moving, starting again and again, having to prioritise, obviously, our partner's careers when maybe they, because that's not their experience, they don't really understand where we're coming from. How can we help other people in their lives to understand how to best support that person? Yeah, it's something that people find really hard very commonly is, uh, you know, oftentimes individuals jump straight to problem solving and action planning and just do this and just do that and you've got to do x y and z and then the reaction from the other person might be you're not hearing me so these sorts of attempts at communication can oftentimes build brick walls rather than break them down and then we get into this cycle of frustration that says that the other person just isn't hearing me that is really common so if that's your experience then that is something that is really normal. The way we get around it is by starting with validating the other person's emotional experience. And that is as simple as reflecting in on what they are going through. And then typically it's asking rather than telling, but it's asking in such a way that you want to encourage the person to consider the end goals that you're working towards. So it might be, how do you think we can move forward in a way that enables x y and z so it is really about seeking you know to understand where the other person is coming from and helping to move the person towards thinking from a more empathic standpoint these are assertive communication strategies assertiveness is different from aggression and it's certainly different from being passive and assertiveness is all of our rights as, as human beings to be able to engage with one another assertively and listen to where the other person's coming from is what 
what assertiveness is all about. Obviously, if you're on that page where you're being assertive and you know what you need to happen or do or change in order to be able to go forward as being a military spouse, but your military member and your partner isn't quite on the same page yet and hasn't come around and hasn't really acknowledged those feelings yet, how do you deal with maybe the resentment that might come from that with, I guess, feeling like you're always being the one making the allowances, you're always being the one changing jobs and moving and going to where he has to be for his job or looking after everything at home when they're away? Like, How do you get past resentment that can come? It's about noticing, you know, self-awareness. Is the resentment kicking in? Why is the resentment kicking in? Is resentment serving any purpose for me? How can I respond to it in a kind and practical way? And just like with any relationship, does it get to a point where we need help here. We need help somebody to help us work through this situation. Is this too hard for us to be dealing with just the two of us? Are we repeating the same script over and over and we just keep on meeting stalemate? This is no different from any couple who's going through marital difficulties or relationship difficulties. It, of course, has got this layer of complexity based on the challenges, the life style and professional challenges that you're having to deal with. So it potentially intensifies the difficulties that you're going through. But ultimately, if you're finding that it's getting to a point where you're stuck, seek help. Don't suffer in silence. Try and work it out for yourselves. Give it the best that you can give it. And like with any relationship, if it's proving to be too hard, See if you can find somebody to talk to. A trained clinical psychologist is typically a really good way to go and it's evidence-based strategies. But then beyond that, if you are seeking help and moving into that help-seeking space where you just need somebody to talk to, make sure that they, first of all, engage in evidence-based strategies so it's not just talking therapy. Talking therapy can only go so far, but you really need to move into practical behavioral strategies that are scientifically supported to make a difference with an evidence base behind it. But also, beyond that, your gut feel will guide you because it's a relationship after all. So is there a relationship of trust there? Is it a person who you connect with that you feel an authentic connection that yes, this person really gets me and this person can really help me? But don't suffer in silence. Break down that stigma of help-seeking behaviours. In the short term, it might be yeah. being uncomfortable in the short term. So, you know, it's not easy bringing it up with your partner saying, you know, like you mentioned, we're doing the same thing over and over and we're not coming out with a better result and I want to move forward or, you know, I have the resentment and I want to work through it with a professional. In the short term, it might be uncomfortable broaching that with your partner and the military member, but it's for long-term gains. Yeah. And, you know, typically with strategies of influence, (laughs) um, which is exactly what you're talking about, it is about what are the common goals here? This is not about me or you. This is about us and our life and our future and having a great future. So this is not about whinging and negativity. This is about positivity. This is about how can we engage in the strategies that will help us have the best life we can possibly have. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jodie, and talking us through, I guess, some of the often complex parts of military spouse life and military life in general. Obviously, there isn't a magic formula or right or wrong way, but if we can acknowledge the harder parts that 
that might just be the huge step to thriving, not just surviving. And please, if anybody in the community wants to connect with me directly, I'm always happy to help. Connect with me at sydneyanxietyclinic.com or mindstrength.com.au or connect with me on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Thank you so much. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 